0: Go once again in the 911 today. Now today this is the second time I've driven this car since you last heard the last Pink Wheel Nuts garage episode wherein I got new brakes and an oil change oh that reminds me I should have looked at my dipstick to make sure I had oil pretty sure I do, but you just never know. I mean, I did uh, the last time I drove it, which was not yesterday. Anyway, um, so we're going out. My tires have a flat spot. We're going out on a minor mission. Just an excuse to go driving. Really just an excuse to go for a drive in the hot sunny weather. Right now, it looks to be 80 degrees Fahrenheit, somewhere around 25 degrees, 24 degrees Celsius. But the car might need to catch up from because it's been in the cool garage. Seems quite warm here. Um, so, I'm going to talk about RVs, backing up RVs, and... Uh, Uh, batteries. RV batteries. And our recent trip, let me close this. I think we better turn the air conditioning on. Why suffer? Um, So, Mr. Anderson and I went on a little trip with our RV. We went on a no services campsite. So it was like a provincial site, 25 bucks a night no water, no power, no sewer, Um, uh, and it was for four full days, three sleeps, I guess three and a half days, uh, and three sleeps. Now, uh, as I talked about previously, I got a new battery for my house battery for the RV. And the house battery provides all of the 12 volt energy to operate the 12 volt systems in the RV. That would include the uh, all the, the lights, the lighting. Um, it includes the uh, fridge, which although the fridge runs on propane, it does use 12 volt to pump the Freon around and and blow some air probably. So there's a a small amount of draw from the fridge. uh, When the fridge is operating, probably not that small, it's probably a generous amount of 12 volt draw. And then when you wanna run the furnace, the fan that blows the furnace, that's all 12 volt. Um, So those types of things. That's primarily it. And of course, to move the slides in and out, to put down the stabilizer feet, uh, to make the trailer level, all of that, uh, that's all 12 volt electricity, electric. I mean, some of these are single use items. You only do, you only put your slides out once, you put your stabilizers down once. And for that, I I use I augment the power from the house battery by having it connected to the truck, and the truck provides a small amount of charge, not very good, to that house battery as well. So uh, I got a new house battery, which I think is 105 amp hours, and uh, I have this system. I have a solar charger a solar uh what's it called panel on the roof uh which uh, takes the any sun generated energy and charges the battery back up and then with that solar system there is a monitoring system that allows me to see how much charge i have in my battery how much it's being charged how much is being drawn out of it and what the general you know current electrical state of the battery is. Um, Now I don't have a lot of faith in this this monitoring device because I've tried to program it for my specific battery so that it knows my battery is 105 amp hours so that when it says well your battery is at 50 percent it actually knows that I you know that my amp hours are down or my charge is down or however you measure this electricity Which is, you know, that's a conundrum in itself trying to understand how electricity works. So um, I don't fully trust that when my monitoring system says my battery is at 80%, but it's actually at 80%. So that's that's a minor complication. I do, however, know when the battery monitoring device says you have 12.2 volts, uh, then that's the most—that's the most efficient way to know how much power you have left in your battery. Because if you let your battery go, in my case, down to 11.8 volts, that's the minimum amount you want to—you want to ble- you bleed your battery down. So that's the other, more reliable way to tell how much power your're drawing or you have left so we went on this four day trip and uh, we were parked in a very wooded area so it was very hard for when the whenever the Sun was shining for the Sun to fully hit the solar panel and you know really pump in some good energy back into the battery um, you know it wasn't it was it was it was pretty good. The problem was is that the sun was obscured for some great periods of time by the clouds and the rain. (laughs) Uh, Because the weather we had was cold and rainy, Uh, when we first arrived, it poured rain down on us just barely after we got set up. So you know, I'd been using all these, drawing all this energy to put you know, put everything out, the slides out. lakes down and all that getting minimal charge from the truck and then boom the clouds come and then water erupts out of the clouds so so you know we were effectively we were off to a bad start because we were operating on you know we, we had a low battery charge by the time we got there and no way to charge the batteries back up because it was all cloudy and rainy and then my fridge, you know, does draw quite a bit of power off the 12-volt system, especially when it is quite It is quite warm, and I didn't have my fridge pre-cooled. It's a good idea to, to char- start your fridge a couple days before you go traveling because these RV RV fridges are not very efficient. It takes them a long time to cool off, cool down. Um, so you're using a lot of energy when you first turn on your fridge to get your fridge to a, to a cooling temperature. So the, I guess the, the, to, to shorten this story, <laughs> through the combination of the cooler days, the cloudier days and the draw uh, on the system for my, for my poor lowly 105 amp hour battery. Um, We actually ran out of electricity by the end of our day, like uh, uh, it was a Sunday, we had to to depart, and by that Sunday morning our battery was down to absolute, the lowest that I would comfortably like it to get down to, which is like 11.8 volts. Because I believe below 11.8 volts... uh, you're damaging your battery, so I don't want to do that. I, I've already done that once before to a battery that I destroyed. So, I have concluded that 105 amp hours on a poor day, a poor a poor weekend, a no solar weekend, uh, is not enough to power my RV. So, alas, I am resigned that I will be needing to purchase another house battery and I'm told that uh, you should get the same battery like uh, don't mix and match your batteries so I should be getting another 105 amp hour battery. The problem is now I got to reorganize my battery compartment because I can't f- Currently, I can't physically fit another 100 amp hour battery. So two 105 amp hour batteries will not fit into the battery box I have. So that means I've got to get a bigger battery box. uh, One large enough to accommodate these rather massive batteries. The thing's pretty big. It's probably 12 or 14 inches uh, wide, long, long. We've got an ambulance trying to get through. We've got a busy highway here. We're all pulling over. All right, there we go, and off they go. Who knows where they're going. So, um, uh, good, it was, you know, when we when we went on this trip, we went purposely to test this theory somewhat. You know, we want to be doing more of these four day trips um, which we'll be doing next year, not this year. We've we're we're done with our four-day trips this year. Now we're doing uh, mega long trips, two weeks and three weeks. So uh, so it was good. Uh, it was a good test. And of course, the day we leave, the Sunday that we are finally all packed up, and <laughs> you know we've wrung all the water out of everything and put the trailer away and hooked her up and everything. Uh, as we're leaving, the sun comes out, nice, hot, and bright. So that's the way it goes. So I have confidence that if I could have a sunny day, uh, that I could make it. I could make it through the night on you know drawing my battery, and we were being very frugal with our energy usage. I mean, I made Mr. Anderson sit in the dark all the time. <laughs> I wouldn't let him turn on lights. I actually turned my fridge off when we went to bed at night because I knew that that fridge would just kill the, uh, it would kill the battery if we allowed it to run for 10 hours through the night. So, uh, you know, you don't you don't want to have to need to be so uh, conservation-y conservative with your energy usage. Um, plus, you know, we have iPads and, you know, all these kinds of devices and laptops and stuff that we want to charge. And, uh, so, you know, it did, It was a, it was a bit of a pain in the neck. But anyway, we still had a good time. Out in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. So now my RV is back. Uh, I, so now. Usually I store my RV at the warehouse. Uh, oh, someone lost a roll of wire off their truck. Expensive wire, like, uh, you know, electrician style wire. Uh, like a whole spool, a spool of electrical wire. Uh, I'm guessing $130 worth of wire sitting there on the in the middle of the road. Guy <laughs> okay, should go back and get it. Oh, this guy in front of me, he wants that. He's going to turn around and go get it. I uh, just know it. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so, where am I? Usually I take my RV to the the, the storage warehouse. Uh, that's where it lives. But we decided not to do that. We decided to bring it home so that I could work on it. And plus we're leaving. We were just leaving on another trip within two days of our last, uh, our last trip. Two weeks, I should say. So we get home from this uh, mountain uh, trip in the woods, and then in two weeks from then, we would be leaving again, which is next, this coming Saturday, uh, five, six days from when I'm recording this. So, uh, I've got some undecided people here trying to decide whether they want to turn off the highway or not. It's a madhouse, people. Um, It's also the summertime here, and I live in a summer resort sort of a town, and the traffic is, gets really bad here in the summertime. Um, and we'll be coming up to a massive slowdown here as we roll into town. Um, anyway, so I decided let's not take the RV back to the warehouse. Let's bring, bring it home and I'll work on it a little bit and then we can load it up for our big along trip and it'd just be a lot easier to do everything at home. So now I can get my RV into my driveway. I have a longish driveway that runs along the the side of my house, and uh, so usually I uh, I I wiggle and work my RV into park it beside the side of my house. So this is all fine and good. Now my neighbor, I have a new neighbor in this new house that was just built right beside me. They have no yard, right? They have a dirt, they have a dirt farm. (laughs) Their yard is all dirt, nothing landscaped, no grass, no nothing. Well, they decided to hire a landscaping company and they're, they're going to landscape their yard. So now my driveway, which runs along the side of my house, it actually goes down. You, you drive. You can drive beside my house and down a little hill, all the way over to the neighbor's property because I have a woodshed back there. So I have a nice little driveway, and it's, there's a big, big sloping a slope there that goes down to a lower level where I have my woodshed, and I drive my truck down there all the time to uh, you know unload wood, load wood into my woodshed, and all that kind of stuff. So. The neighbor, the neighbor's landscaping contractor said, boy, it sure would be great if we could use this driveway to come down here to get adjacent to your the, the, the neighbor's property so we can bring in the rocks and the grass and the whatever, the, all the stuff they need, get their equipment down there. They've got these excavators and blah, blah, blah. So... Uh, so I said, yeah, sure, fine by me. I'm, I mean, you know, no skin off my nose. You can use my driveway, not a problem. My neighbor says, great, okay, good. They're going to come here in, the, in near the middle of August. And I said, sure, prob- no problem. That's fantastic. So, you know, this is all agreed to a few weeks ago. And then we go away on our little trip and I come back with my RV and park my RV in my driveway, which takes up the entire driveway. Um, and... Lo and behold, the neighbor comes to me and says, hey, they want to start next week. So they want to start their work seven days from when I get back with my RV, uh, being another seven days from when I actually want to leave with my RV. So now my RV is a problem because this guy wants to use my driveway, but I got my RV blocking my driveway. So, you know, minor pain in the ass. So now I got to deal with what am I going to do with this RV and the guy wants it moved. So anyway, my neighbor and I came to an agreement. He said, if you'd like, you can park your RV in my driveway and you can work on it and do all that stuff. So lo and behold, that is what we decided to do. So I worked on, okay, thank you. I know we're stopped in traffic and we're getting radar beams shooting at us. This is the holiday uh, traffic that we're dealing with right now. Um, And there is one of those, we're in a construction zone because they're building a new road through town here. And so there's one of those, you know, fines double in construction zones and there's one of those beepy radar signs that says you're going too fast you're going too fast that's what's causing my radar detector to activate Um, so now Casey in Denver has an RV as well (laughs) and he was talking on his show the enormous podcast about being nervous about backing his RV up when people are watching him. <laughs> um, so he was hiding at his mummy's house <laughs> playing with his RV, backing his RV up and down in and out of, all over the farm. Well good for you, good for you KC. I support you uh, in practicing backing up your RV because it is not easy to back up an RV. Um, especially a fifth wheel. I'm pretty sure Casey has a fifth wheel. I think it's a fifth wheel. I have a fifth wheel. Um, And these rigs are really long. My truck and trailer together is 51 feet long. My RV is 33 feet long. And then you have to deal with all these pivot points. You have a pivot point where the trailer connects to the truck. And you also have a pivot point over the wheels of the trailer and the wheels of the trailer are not like trucker Alex's trailer whose trucker Alex's trailer wheels are at the very back of his trailer or within five to six feet of it and you know fifth wheel trailers wheels are like 10 feet from the back of the back of the the back bumper so you know, I, I mean, hats off to these uh, these truck drivers who are able to back these fifty foot trailers into spaces because I find it quite challenging. Um, so, you know, there's all these little tricks that you can you can use to your advantage, and I've you know I've been driving this RV for three years now, and uh, I feel like I'm barely getting a grasp of how to back up this rv it is a real challenge not only that the thing is super tall and super wide so you have to be aware of trees especially going into these freaking uh campground situations especially the you know the the cheap campgrounds the provincial campgrounds which are not designed for 30 foot rvs you know they're designed for your your 20-foot trailer and and people with tents so you got a lot of overhangs you got these trees hanging over all over the place you have tiny skinny little roads and sharp corners and it is a challenge squeaking these long RVs into these tiny places so uh, I have recently learned that Instead of watching what my trailer is doing and trying to get my trailer to move, get into a space, I, I need to plan out where I want my trailer wheels to go and if I can cogitate where I want my wheels to go and actually make my wheels go where I want them to go, which is another thing completely, then that is how I become more successful by moving my trailer and truck and trailer around not only that like the truck is 20 feet long so you have you know about 16 feet of of the front end of the truck that you got to swing from side to side and it's just it's just really can, people don't realize that if you want to you know back a trailer up into the left side you, you gotta, you, you have 16 feet of swing on the front of the truck to the right side that you need to deal with. So, um, you know, this is all this, uh, the physics of these, all these arms, these moment arms. Um, so it's a challenge. It's fun. Uh, but to Casey's defense, the campers, they love to watch you try to back your trailers in. <laughs> I mean, I'm guilty too. When I'm camping and someone's coming, you know, a new truck and trailer comes in to the campsite, I love to watch and see how this guy's getting his rig in, in, in his, in his, uh, yeah, come on in, sweetheart. We got all kind of construction confusion here. Um, uh, so most definitely when you pull into a campground your fellow campers are there they set up their lawn chairs they get their beers and they sit and they turn their chair towards you to watch you try and squish your trailer into a skinny slot (laughs) so uh, so it is a thing alright so I don't know is that it it's probably it for now is that enough Uh, so I guess I'll say so Mr. Anderson and I will be leaving this coming Saturday to go travel to Alberta we're going to go to a place called Drumheller which is the uh, dinosaur Uh, skeleton capital of the world or something like that. So we're going to be at uh, we're going to go to the dinosaur museum and uh, have all kinds of fun in Alberta and get that cheap Alberta liquor. My God people you have no idea how cheap liquor is in Alberta. Uh, It's it's ridiculous because they don't have taxes there like we have taxes in British Columbia. Um Anyway, so, that's it for me. I am the Faye Driver. This show is part of the Pride 48 network of LGBTQ and LGBTQ-friendly podcasts. You can find more LGBTQ-friendly podcasts at pride48.com. You can email me at podcast at pinkwheelnuts.com. I am the Faye Driver going over rough bumps. Thank you for listening. (laughs) and I'll catch you on the flip flop